Well, good morning and welcome to everyone who's here this morning. If you are visiting with us this morning, we're really glad to have you here. I think uh, I was tricked. When I candidated at the church, uh, they didn't tell me that winter was going to keep just going. They kind of gave me this this January and February that kind of lulled me into sleep. And then along comes March and yeah, spring is going to come here, I think, one of these days. I'm, I'm hoping anyway. I'm really, this is hard because this time of the year, I'm, for the user, those of you who are visiting with us, um, we came from Hong Kong. And so this time of the year is like really, really nice in Hong Kong. And so to come here now, it's, uh, it's a bit of a stretch for us to get used to living here in the cold again. Have you ever had a vacation that didn't turn out the way that you expected? You get in the car and you're driving along and the car breaks down or you have an accident or you get to the hotel and it is nowhere near like what it looked like online. The pool isn't isn't working, you know, they're they're doing construction or there's now this time of the year coming back to the States, we learned that in some places they don't have, uh, you know, room service where they, or not room service, uh, you know, where they come and clean up your room when when you're, they, they just don't have it. We realized, oh, uh, I guess they don't, they don't do that anymore now because of the lack of people. But sometimes we come and, and things aren't like what they expect. And sometimes we have a trip like the guy I'm going to talk about because I think maybe on our worst day, we haven't had as bad a trip as this. So this guy from New York City, was he wanted to go on a cruise in Australia. It was a fancy cruise, but he had to get himself to Australia. So he gets on the plane, it's about 11.30 at night in New York City, and he knows he's got a connecting flight someplace, but the flight is booked from New York City to Sydney. So he gets on the plane, it's, it's 11.30 at night, he's one of these rare people who sits down in the chair, goes right to sleep. He feels the plane touching down and he looks out the window and says, how is that plane going to get me to Sydney, Australia? You know, it's just one of these little nine-seater planes. And he said, where am I? And they said, you're in Billings, Montana. Where he had booked his flight was to Sydney, Montana. Now, when we pastored in Glendive, Montana, Sydney was just up the road. But Sydney, Australia is 8,300 miles away. I don't know what was the cl- what should have clued him in. He must have thought, wow, am I getting a really great deal on a flight to Australia? But thankfully, there was somebody there who was able to help him out, get him his flight back to New York, and then he Missed the, missed the flight to Australia, but six months later was able to go back. But I don't think any of us have had that bad of a trip. It didn't turn out for this guy the way he expected, did it? And you know, sometimes God doesn't do things that we expect either. Amen. Things don't always turn out the way that we expect them to. And it leaves us with a question. It's like, God, what, what are you up to? What are you doing? It's like, and at times, it really hurts. If we're honest, at times... God does things that we don't understand, and they they really hurt. But here's what I want us to remember. God's ways, while different from ours, God's ways, while different from ours, are intended to produce belief. And the word that you're looking for there is belief. The one for those of you who got to fill in the blanks. The word is belief. Jesus, Jesus, where he's at in Mark 11, something happens that, that the people don't understand. And let me give you the backstory to chapter 11. In chapter 11, Jesus is in the third year of his ministry. His ministry is divided into three years. His year of preparation, his year of popularity, and now his year of passion. Literally that year where he is looking towards the cross. He is popular, but he's also a marked man at this time. He's literally weeks away from going to the cross. And Jesus, during this time, 
he withdraws and spends time with his disciples. And he withdraws to a place that's on the opposite side of the Jordan River. I've got a map up here for you. And really, where he's at, if you would see the the Lake of Galilee up at the top, he's about in that area is where he's at. He's withdrawn. And in that place comes a message to him. And the message is this. Lord, the one that you love is sick. We read in in verse 1 to 3, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her, her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. What was their expectation? I mean, it, it's not stated. But what was their expectation? Their expectation was that, what? Jesus was going to drop what he was doing and he was going to make his way to where his friend was. After all, he's their friend. And he's not just Lazarus' friend, but he's the friend of Mary and Martha. And the expectation was that this is what he would do. But God doesn't always do what we expect him to do, does he? He does that which will bring him glory. He does that which will cause us to believe. He does that which causes our trust in him to be deepened. He doesn't always do that. In fact, when he hears that Lazarus is sick, what does he do? It says in verse 6, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. It's like, what is up with this? You see, your, your friend is sick and you stay two more days? What, what is he thinking? The thing of it is that we need to understand is that he knows something that they don't know. He knows something about Lazarus that Mary and Martha do not know. He knows that they're going to rise again. He knows that he's going to rise again. But he has something for Martha and Mary during this time that they would not learn unless they walked through this very difficult time. He knows something as well that his disciples need to learn as well because the disciples' world is going to get turned upside down. In a matter of three to four weeks from this time, their world is going to get turned upside down. And were there still things about Jesus that they needed to learn? Oh, yeah. And not only them, but we read as well at the end of this chapter in verse 42 that not only was he interested in reaching Mary and Martha and teaching to his disciples, but the people as well. Because the people, they believed that if Jesus was truly the Messiah, he was going to come in and he was going to take care of Rome and he was going to bring back the glory days of Israel. But it didn't do what they expected. He is looking for belief. And Jesus comes on the scene and he does what they didn't expect. He stays where they're at. And sometimes, and maybe we're there right now, we've been praying. And it's like, God, do you really hear? I'm I'm praying here. Lord, what else do I need to do? And and you're not answering. And what do we do in those times when, when God is seemingly silent? Here's one of the things we need to remember. Do not equate the inactivity of God with the, or do not equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God. Let me say that again. Do not equate the, the silence of God with the inactivity of God. Because God does some of his most powerful work in the darkness. God is powerfully at work in the midst of this situation. He doesn't do what they expected. It says, and when God doesn't do, here's our next slide, when God doesn't do as we expected, we need to trust him We need to trust him and believe that he has our best in mind. We need to trust him. Is God trustworthy? 
We're going to learn in a few weeks that we can absolutely trust the words of Christ. He says in the book of Mark three times, Mark 8, Mark 9, and Mark 10, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. If Jesus doesn't rise again, that's an easy thing to say. It's much different when he actually did it. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, forget it. We can't trust a word that he said. But because he is trustworthy, I can trust him even when things don't make sense. And this one doesn't make sense. For us, we can see it on the outside. We see the end of the story. We know that Lazarus is going to rise again, but they don't. And it, show, and it says there, when Jesus arrives, it says in verse 17, it says, when Mary and Martha, or it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Why that little figure of four days? That was really important for the Jewish people. Because for the Jewish people, they believed that the soul of the body erroneously they believe this, that the soul of the body hovered around the person for four days, or for three days, and then it was gone. It was a hopeless. Where Jesus comes into is in the midst of a hopeless time. But it wasn't hopeless. It wasn't hopeless because he was there. We write over the top of things hopeless that God never writes hopeless over. And you're going to hear that a little more in the, in the, in, later on in the message. But he comes when there's no hope. And he comes to bring hope. And who's the first one to meet him? I love this. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Oh, I'll bet she did. Martha and Mary are two, they're like oil and water. And Martha is the doer and Mary is the worshiper. And you all have had that aunt, you know, the the aunt at Thanksgiving who just will get right up in your face and tell you where the bread is buttered at, you know. I think this is Martha. Because I think there's a little bit of anger. There's some hurt on the part of Martha when she comes and confronts Jesus because what does she say to him? She said, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We brought you word. We we sent you word that Lazarus was sick. He's your friend and you don't show up. You not only show up after one day, you wait till four days after to show up. What's up with this? And Jesus says to her, he says to her, your brother will rise again. (laughs) And listen to her answer. Next slide, please. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Translation? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I know. I know my brother's going to rise again. At at the end of the day, you know, when when everything, you know, when you raise everybody up, that's when my brother's going to rise. And Jesus is seeking for more than head knowledge. He's seeking for heart knowledge. And he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. That little word, I am, seven times in the book of John, we see Jesus using that little phrase, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. Every time he starts that out with the word I am is the same word that's used back in Exodus when Moses said, who shall I say has sent me to the most powerful man in the world? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. And when Jesus says this, he says, I am the resurrection of the life and the life. And he says, whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Next slide, please. And he says, oh, I don't have that. <laughs> Sorry about that. And he says, do you believe this? Probably the most important question she will ever be asked, the most important question any of us will be asked. 
Because her response, her response to that question is huge. Jesus is after more than just head knowledge. I hear people from time to time say, yeah, 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 I believe in God. Great. What do you believe about him? Because it says in the scriptures that even the demons believe and they shudder. It's not enough to just simply have mental assent to say, yeah, 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 I believe in God. What is God doing? How is God changing? And how has God changed your life? He He wants us to move from simply head knowledge to heart knowledge. To where one of being a disciple, one of being a follower of God. If you are a Jesus follower, there should be some growth in your life, shouldn't there? There should be some appetite in our lives for what it is that God has in our lives. And Jesus is moving in in that frame. And he says, do you believe this? And Martha's answer, whoa, her answer, what does she say? um, Go to the next slide, please. She says, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. That is almost verbatim. When Jesus is standing before um, Caesarea Philippi, and he's looking down on that place that would be called literally the gates of Hades, and he asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? They say, well, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, some say you are a prophet. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? That is the most important question that any of us will have to answer in our lifetime. Who do you say that he is? He is not just a good man. He's not just just anybody. He is God. And when we make that statement, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God, that is a powerful statement because with it carries responsibility as well. With it carries responsibility as well that if he's the Christ... If he's my Lord, then what does that mean when he speaks into my life through his word? That means I have a responsibility to listen. That means I have a responsibility to do what it is that he says. Otherwise, it's just, yeah, he's he's just a good man. It's just good words there. No, no, no. If he is Lord, if he is Christ, when he says what he asks of us to do, there should be a response on our part. Otherwise, it's simply just head knowledge. And it needs to move from being head knowledge to being heart knowledge to where I do something with what it is that he asked me. And he says, do you believe this? And that is a question every single one of us needs to wrestle with as well. Who do you say that he is? And Peter answers, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood did not give this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Do you believe he asks it of Mary or Martha. He asks it of us as well. Have we moved beyond simply head knowledge to where there's heart knowledge, where there's a desire, where there's a hunger for what it is that God has? Well, she leaves and goes off, and Martha comes on, on the scene. Um, Mar- Martha comes on, or Mary comes on the scene. And when Mary comes, she comes saying almost the same thing. It says in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same response. But Jesus treats him differently, doesn't he? Because I think with Mary, and I can be wrong. I've been wrong once or twice this week already. (laughs) But I think with Mary, 
Every time you see Mary, you, you can do this for yourself. Every time you see Mary, where is she? She's at the feet of Jesus. And I think that's purposeful on the part of the writers. I think when Mary brings this statement to Jesus, it's, Lord, I don't understand this. This really hurts. But I trust you in the midst of this time. And I still love you. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Truth? No. Because sometimes when God is here, he still chooses to say, my grace is sufficient. That's the hard one. That's the hard one. There will come a time when we'll all be healed. Yes. There's coming a day when I'll never have to wear these things again. I'll never struggle with a bad back. I'll never struggle with whatever. But that's on the other side of glory. But when he sees her, and when he sees the, the people weeping, because Bethany, when it says that Bethany was only two miles away, you heard that in your reading, that's not in reference to where Jesus was. Jesus is on the other side of the Jordan River. He's a little ways away. But Bethany is two miles from Jerusalem. That's where the mourners would have come from. Lazarus was obviously known by people, but also they would have had professional mourners that would have come and they would have wept and all this other kind of stuff for him. And it says, when, when Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and, and, and troubled. And, and that, that word when it says to be moved in spirit and troubled, it, it's a hard one. But it's the understanding, it, it's talking about your gut. And it's, it's talking about how in, in his gut, he was, he was just, there was an anger. There, there's an anger, there's deep, deep emotion. Why? Because in the midst of all of the wailing that is going on at this time, in the midst of all these people there, where's their heart? Who's standing in the midst of them? It's the one who's the resurrection and the life. And yet they don't turn to him. Yet they don't look to him. Instead, they weep as though there is no hope. And as believers, we're told that we're not to grieve as those who don't have hope. We do have hope. And yet, he, they're grieving. And there's a part of them that's saying, I'm standing in your midst. And yet, you still don't turn to me. And boy, there's a sermon in that, isn't there? Because sometimes God is in our very midst. And he's the last person that we turn to. And Jesus... He does what is not expected. Oh, I, I missed something. Go to the next slide, please. He says, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Next slide, please. He says, Jesus wept. I don't know who needs to hear this today. But in the midst of our times of deepest grief, there, we have a God who, this is slide number five, we have, a, we have one who stands with us. And I don't know where you're at this week and what it is that, that has come across your plate. But we can know that in the times of our deepest grief that God is the one who weeps with us. He deeply cares about what we're walking through. And may I just take a moment and just to pray over you right now for those of you who are walking through incredibly difficult times. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray the comfort. I pray the comfort of the Holy Spirit over you. And I pray the blessing of the Lord's hand and his presence in your life as you grieve, as you hurt. And I pray for the Lord's strength, the blessing of his strength over you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In our deepest times of grief, there's one who stands with us. Because he doesn't do what we expect him to do. And while his ways are different from ours, they're meant, they're intended to bring about, they're intended to bring about belief, a deepening of our faith, and glory to God. Glory to God, because that's what happens next. He says, where have you laid him? And they, and they bring him to the tomb. <laughs> and Jesus isn't done. He's not done here. He says, uh, they, the people say to him, as he's, as he's weeping, he says, see how he loved him. But then some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Could he? Absolutely could have. But that he didn't means that he has something else in mind. You see, God's no's are because he has a better yes. God's no's are because he has a better yes. Somebody shared this with me in a time in my life when I was, it's like, okay, doors are closing here, left and right, and what is going on? And he said, brothers, sometimes God's no's mean he has a better yes for you. When God doesn't do what we expect him to do, it isn't because he doesn't love us. It's because he has something else in mind. God's ways are different from us, but they're meant to bring about belief, deepen our trust in him, and bring him glory. Because who needs to see the glory of God? They all do. And when we walk through times of difficulty, and when instead of uh, having a woe is me attitude, when we can say in the midst of that time, I don't like this place. I don't like what's happening. But yet, in the midst of this, God has been working in my heart. In the midst of this, this is what God has been doing. He's been deepening my faith. I've never felt closer to God in all my life. That's what brings God glory. Because it's not just about belief that he's looking for. It's not just a deepening of faith. It's so that he would be glorified. Why? Not just for you, but are there people who are watching your life and watching what it is that you're walking through right now? They absolutely are. And how you respond in the midst of those times will determine whether or not God's given glory or whether he's not given glory. And he says, roll the stone away. And Martha, good old Martha, Lord, it's been four days. It's going to stink. And he says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And for some of us, we're at that place. God's not done with us yet. And we bring up all the, all the things that say, well, God, if this happens, then this is what's going to happen. And God says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And they roll away the stone. And what happens? What happens is what God intended to happen. See, God's ways aren't our ways, are they? <laughs> Thank the Lord they're not our ways. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can we trust that in the midst of what we're walking through right now, 
that God knows what he's doing. You don't look convinced. Let me ask that again. Can we believe in the midst of what it is that we're walking through right now that God has our absolute best in mind? Yes. Do you believe this? Because this is where God is after. It's, he's after not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. <laughs> Someone said that uh, when he says, Lazarus, come forth, why does he call him by name? Who is calling Lazarus forth? The resurrection and the life. And one day there's going to be another call and, and the dead in Christ will rise and we who are left and still alive will be caught up together in the air and we'll meet him together in the air. I think someone said that he calls him Lazarus because if he wouldn't have said Lazarus, what would have happened? Everybody else is coming up. I, I don't know. But when he calls Lazarus out, what happens? Exactly what he intended to happen. The God that we serve is the resurrection and the life. He is the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His ways, while they're not our ways, are meant to bring about belief in him, they're meant to deepen our trust in him, and they're meant to bring glory to God. Let me tell you a story. Jeff and Heather Williams, um, Beck and I serve as a pastoral care couple for Cambodia. And Jeff and Heather Williams are one of our missionaries in Cambodia, and they've been there over 20 years. And Jeff and Heather are just very no-nonsense type of people, and they'll tell you exactly what they think. And when they first got to the field, they learned the Cambodian language, the Khmer language, and then they were uh, sent to work with an ethnic tribe uh, in Cambodia that is the same, believes the same way that millions of people in the Middle East believe. And when they went there, her husband was able to find a language teacher very, very easily, but Heather, she was unable to find another woman who was willing to, to train her and teach her. And finally, she found this lady. Her name was Mana. Mana was a witch doctor. And he said Mana was about the coarsest person that she'd ever met in her life. But she developed a friendship with, with Heather. And she said, over time, she said, Mana not only taught me this people's language, but she taught me how, how their heart thinks. And she said it was amazing. And she said, we grew in our relationship together. And one day, Mana came to her and she said, oh, Heather, she said, I need to go to see a doctor. And she said, and this is Heather. She said, you don't need a doctor, you need Jesus. As she began to share with, with Mana chronologically the stories of Christ. Now, I don't know how this happened, but she said Mana was, was possessed uh, by, by several different demons. And she said, over the time, though, as she was sharing the stories of Christ, Mana would just simply look at her and not say anything. But she said, after a time, she said her heart began to open up and, and uh, Heather realized that the spirits were leaving and finally came to a place where she said, I could see on Mana's face that she was open and receptive to the, what it is that God was saying. And she said she prayed to receive Christ. There was a very small group of believers in that, in that village. And Mana joined that group of believers. But Mana had a cancer. It wasn't a physical cancer. It was a spiritual cancer that was eating her alive. And that cancer, once she got in with the other group of believers, really, really was almost to the point of where it destroyed the group of believers. 
It went back to when the Khmer Rouge came into her village in the, in the early 1970s. They, Mana had a husband and seven children, and the Khmer Rouge soldiers killed all seven of her children in front of her, and then lastly killed her husband. And Mana, because she was the witch doctor in, in that village, she was the one responsible for the burial of all the people. And she got on her hands and knees and she was just trying to bury her husband and the Khmer Rouge soldiers kept saying to her, you know, stop or we're going to kill you. And she thought at that point, go ahead, I have nothing to live for in this world. And she said, after the Khmer Rouge left, she married again and had, had children. And she said her oldest daughter brought home this young man. And she said, indelibly etched in her mind, was the man, was the soldier who had killed all of her family. And the boy that she brought home was the son of that soldier. And Mana knew this, and she said, I could be cordial to him. I could have him in my house to eat. But she said, I would never forgive him, nor would I forgive his father. That was the cancer. And Heather approached her one day and said, Mana, you need to let go of this. You, need, you are a Christ follower. You need to allow Jesus to help you to forgive these people and get on with life. And she said, I'm not an angel. Maybe you can do that, but I can't. I will never forgive this person. Heather went home on home assignment, and when they got back to Phnom Penh, she, was, they, she and her husband were transferred to a different place. Word came to Heather about a year after that that Mana had passed away. And Mana's daughter was talking to her on the telephone, and all of a sudden, the line just went dead. She was using a, a phone card. And in the midst of all of the preparations for burial, because you bury the person on the same day, uh, the daughter never got around to getting another phone card. So Heather didn't know what was going to happen. Now let me share with you Mana's side. After Mana died, her daughter prepared the body, which is what they normally do. They prepare the body, and they lay it on the mat on the floor, and over the loudspeaker in the village, they called out, Grandfathers and grandmothers, please come. Our daughter, Mana, has died. Come and pay your last respects. And in that culture, as they walk by the person, they say, Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And Heather said there were a lot of them that needed to be forgiven for the way in which they treated her when they became a Christian. And Mana said she could hear. She said, I knew. I knew I was dead. But she said, I could hear. I could hear what was going on. And she said, I couldn't see, but I could hear. I could hear that person walk by and that person walk by. And she said, the next thing I heard was a voice. And she said, I knew it was Jesus speaking to my heart. And he said, Mana, do you like it when Heather returns back to the United States and you don't see her for a year? She said, no, I don't like that. She said, how would you like to never see her again? If you don't forgive, you will never see her again. She said, that was it. And she said, I knew what I had to do. I had to forgive. And she said, I tried to get the words out, but my mouth was so dry. She said, I could hardly get the words out. And finally, she said, I could get a few squeaks out and a few words out. And finally, I was able to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then she said, my eyes were able to come open. And she said, then I was able to sit up. And all of a sudden, now over the loudspeaker, that same one, the people are saying, Grandmothers and grandfathers, please come. Our daughter, Mana, who is dead, is now alive. Did that cause a little stir in the village? Yeah, it did. 
But it was that that God used as well to bring others to know this God who could raise people to life. And the field director, Dave Manfred, shared with me several years ago, he said, God must really love these people to go to that effort to reach them. And I think about John 11. And we think that we know that God loves us. But there are times that God shows us that he loves us. And it may not be the most comfortable thing. But in the midst of that time, when God does things, while his ways are not our ways, they're meant to bring about belief, a deep trust in him, and glory to God. Let me say that again. While God's ways are not our ways, they're meant to deepen our faith in Him, to bring about trust in Him, and to bring about glory to His name. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Not here. But here. Because that's what Jesus is after. He's not after just head knowledge, but he's after heart knowledge. Because when we say, yes, I believe in you, and I believe you in my heart, even when things don't make sense, God, I know that you have my best in mind. Do we believe that as well? Do you believe that God has your absolute best in mind even when things don't make sense? You don't seem convinced. He does. He does. And my prayer for us this morning as we, as we leave John, and now next week we'll head into uh, preparation for Easter, is that in the midst of what you're walking through right now, that you will hold on to Jesus. And that you will ask him, God, would you help me to see this from your vantage point? Because when things don't make sense, we need to guard our hearts against anger and bitterness. And when those things don't make sense, we need to say, God, I don't get this. This hurts. But Lord, would you help me to see this from your vantage point? And trust him. Trust him that he has our best in mind. Because he does. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I know that as the word is spoken this morning, there's any number of things going on in our lives right now. God, I thank you that in the midst of our times of deepest grief and hurt. You are with us and you won't forsake us. You won't leave us. And I thank you that, God, you are a God who weeps when we weep and you hurt when we hurt. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray for the touch of your healing hand upon hearts this morning that have been hurt, that are hurting. And I pray that, Father, you would pour out your spirit upon them. That truly the joy of the Lord would be their strength in the midst of this time. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that your hand of blessing, the blessing of your comfort, the blessing of your deep care, and the blessing that only you can bring would be theirs in rich abundance. Father, for some of us, we're walking through a really good time. And I pray, God, from my, my heart that our relationship with you will not be just one simply of, of mental ascent, one of where I just, I just know about you. Because, God, sometimes you move in our lives to get our attention. And for some of us, we're at that place today. And I pray that, Lord, out of the depths of our heart, we would cry out to you of how deeply and how desperately we need you, because we do. And God, I pray for a deepening of our faith and our trust in you. And I pray most of all, Lord, that glory, great glory would be brought to your name. And I pray these things and I ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Before I pray a prayer of blessing, I want to encourage you next week, we have a really, really special speaker Coming next week, her name is Bao He, and she is one of our vice presidents of our, of our denomination. But Bao was from this church when it was Southside Alliance, and she is coming back, and uh, she was one that some of you took a part in their family when, when they first come from, from Laos, and she's coming back to share with us about what it is that God's doing in and around the world. I talked to her this week, and she was in uh, Tajikistan. And so she's, she, <coughs> she's getting around, uh, but she's a phenomenal speaker and just a dear, dear lady in the Lord. So I'd really encourage you with that. And then we have Easter coming up in two weeks. That's our service at 10 o'clock. But again, I would um, encourage you uh, to get here early and to, if you are a regular, if you're a visitor, we love you. You park right up next to the church. But if we're regulars, let's let the good spaces be for the, the, the visitors. And let's, we can all walk a little bit, walk, walk a little bit. It's a good problem to have, isn't it? But let others be able to have, be able to park close enough to the church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you with an incredible sense of his hope. In the midst of what you're walking through right now, may he bless you with his hope. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may you see the hand of the Lord God Almighty in your life in just precious ways in this week. And I pray this to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.